Hello and welcome to the McGappin Fry's Movie Podcast. Hi, I'm Gavin. I'm Ian. And today we're going to be taking a look at the uh, latest film by Christopher Nolan, Dunkirk. The enemy tanks have stopped. Why? Why waste precious tanks when they can pick us off from the air like fish in a barrel? There are 400,000 men on this beach. Before we do that, we should talk about our sponsors. Oh. Yes, we should. We're sponsored by Green Room 136. Purveyors of fine urban carry gears, backpacks, side pockets, uh, wallet holders, passport holders, you name it, they make it. If you'd like to peruse their wares, you can go to greenroom136.com. And if you go to the store there, you can use the discount code MACYAP10. <laughs> it's been a while since we did one of these. <laughs> That's MCYAP10, and that'll get you a 10% discount on checkout. Awesome. On to Dunkirk. Uh, this is hands down my favorite film of the year so far. Oh really? Wow! It's I mean so far. The, I mean, did I say anything to you beforehand? No, no, you didn't. Yeah, that's that's the key. Uh, the, that's the key these days. If I tell you anything, you're like, that's mm, all right. No, I think uh, all you you didn't say it to me. You just put this little post on Facebook saying that watch yeah. it on the biggest screen imaginable with a great sound system. Yeah, because I didn't want to. I wasn't writing a review for it, so but I wanted to say something about it. So yeah, and I'd say that that's very fair. Yeah. Um, in the in the U.S., they've got these uh, seventy millimeter uh, IMAX screens. Which apparently is amazing. We don't have those here, but uh, there was a bit of a backlash. If, if I, whenever I see a tweet that's talking about film Twitter, I kind of die a little inside. There was film Twitter bingo the other day, which was like you know re- complains about reboots, but then hates a reboot or loves a reboot, and they see it. All these it was bingo carbo, all this kind of stuff. And one of them was, I think, uh, there's a lot of people complaining about. Well, not everyone can go see it in IMAX. And it's like, well, don't go see it in IMAX then. Just yeah, see just, it wherever you can. Yeah, but just. Watch it on the big screen. Don't yeah. wait for it to come out on DVD or Netflix or something. I said it'll lose a lot in that. Huh? It'll lose a lot when it comes to that. I, I think it will, yeah. Uh, because it is, I mean, not just uh, you know, the visuals, but really the sound. Yes. The sound design is crazy. So if you don't know what Dunkirk is... Um, Did you? No, and it's a very English-sounding name for a town in France. Mm, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think did they call it Dunkirk, or was it called Dunkirk before? I'd heard, I knew of it. Like you know, you pick up all World War Two. We were growing up. There was things like, was the longest day was Operation Overlord with Michael mm-hmm. Caine, and um, mm-hmm. there's also another film called Dun- Dunkirk. Mm. It's a uh, '60s one, right? Yeah, like yeah. Harry Knowles was tweeting about that and mm-hmm. saying there are parallels to be drawn, but I don't remember that movie at all. No, me neither. But you pick up bits and pieces from all those World War Two movies. They were always on on Sundays or bank holidays back home. But uh, the Allied soldiers, a, a, a huge, huge chunk of the uh, British army, was stranded on the beach of Dunkirk. 400,000 soldiers, I believe yeah. it was. And um, They were be- only going to get 35,000 off. That, that's what they were hoping. Yeah, hoping for. Yeah, they thought that would be considered a good number. They ended up getting, clo- they ended up getting over 300,000. Yeah, and the French can go fuck themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Even though they're defending, they're holding the line, yeah, yeah. while all these English guys are just sodding about Sorry. on the beach. Sorry, mate. <laughs> And it was uh, a, one of those unique rescue operations where, because the uh, the main force of the, the British army was stranded there, 
they had to resort to uh, having civilians come and get them. Yeah, because the, the British were thinking of the war ahead and, you know, they're a naval power and they're an island nation. So after this, they were thinking, Christ, Hitler's going to come knocking at our front door. Yeah. So they weren't, trying, they weren't going to bring in their big destroyers. So as a result, the beach and the soldiers were, there was no air cover either, they were saving the planes. Yeah. They were completely at the mercy of U-boats and shelling and... Um, U-boats shelling... And the dive bombing planes. Yeah. I presume there was, I think those were Stuckers. I, think, I said there were Stuckers in my other review, but those are the ones that dive bombed that made that crazy mm. noise. Yeah. So the movie starts with just like a couple of soldiers walking down the street with pamphlets flying through the air. Yeah. It's, it's a really arresting image. Yeah, it's, very, it's a very nice way to start. And then, and then uh, the sound design kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> and I jumped. The, the, bullets the, fir- the, first, the first bullet starts, uh, like, uh, that, that was very, very intense. Yeah, I mean, it's not, the whole movie's not the opening sequence from Saving Private Ryan, but it does have that feel at times, and, but in its own way. Like, you know, Saving Private Ryan had the, the guns they used in that, the M1 Garands. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone fires off a couple of rounds, and as they get to the last in the clip, it goes, yeah. ding, and the thing flies out. Yeah. They don't use that, but they create their own soundscape using all these familiar noises we've heard, like the sounds of Spitfires or dive bombing planes yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And they really... Whereas I think, you know, Saving Private Ryan kind of opened it up a little bit, whereas this one feels very sort of contained, mm. um, you know, with uh, Nolan using a lot of close-ups. You're, you're reacting more to looking at them react to stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's very, very... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Visceral? It's very effective. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the way they tell the story in this case, and that, like, so I don't think, the, one, of the, one of the main characters we follow, like, I didn't, don't think his name is actually said in the movie. I uh, don't think so. This is the Fionn Whitehead, right? Yeah. It's only in the credits it pops up as Tommy. Right. And I think that's just because he's a Tommy. Which yeah, I mean, even even Killian uh, Murphy in the credits is Shivering Man. Oh, is he Shivering Man? He doesn't yeah. get a name. He doesn't get a name. Oh. Yeah. Um, and so it's three different timelines. Yeah. Uh, you're with uh, the mole on, on the beach for a week. Which is not a spy. No. <laughs> I had to look that up afterwards because it takes a while to figure it out. I think it's only, it's almost 20 minutes, half an hour in before Kenneth Branagh says we, meet, we need to save the mole. Yeah. So it's, so you're on, uh, on the beach with the soldiers and uh, Kenneth Branagh and uh, James Darcy for a week. And yeah, this is a week before the actual rescue. Rescue. Yeah. And then you're with... Um, Mark Rylance, Mark Rylance and his boats, boat, and who are a day before, because it only takes a day. It only takes a day to sail across the Channel. That's they say it numerous times in this. You can almost see home. Yeah, or you can see home. You just can't get there. And uh, we are with the uh, the fighter pilots for an hour. Yeah, I think it's an hour. An hour, hour flight yeah. time, and that's where Tom Hardy and a few other people. Turn and it's up. very interesting to sort of see how it all eventually cuts together. It's not done in a very. It's not done in a very showy way at all. It's not like Memento or anything like no, that. No, I, I mean, it's not something to be figured out. But it took me a while to figure it out. Yeah, it took me a little while to figure it out as well. Because at first you, you wonder, like, okay, what is a week? Yeah. yeah. Well, what's one day? So it all sort of converges. And then the part where I noticed it was a bit weird is that uh, after uh, Killian Murphy is already with Mark Rylance, yeah. uh, there's this other bit involving uh, Harry Styles and Fionn, White- and Fionn Whitehead where you see Killian Murphy again. And it's very clearly before what's yeah. ha- where you've seen him elsewhere. Yeah, so that, it's like, it's a second appearance, but it's his first appearance chronologically. Yes. That's where it kind of clicked for me. Yeah. S- same thing with me too. I'm like, he looks, he looks awfully together for somebody who's, for a shivering man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just found it to be really, really intense and very effective. And I was just on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah. And you know, Nolan, has 
been accused of, you know, saying that like, you know, because he's a bit too clinical, that sometimes the emotional aspects of the films uh, don't quite come across. Mm. I've never really gotten gotten that. No. Um, like Interstellar, for example, which you know some people have issues with. I found that to be a very emotional experience. Yeah, I found the happy ending a bit much, but I, I liked a lot of what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with this, by the time the end comes, you know, there's that bit where you know Harry Styles' character uh, is talking to Fiona Whitehead, and, and he thinks that you know we've let them we've let them down. Oh and, yeah. You know, and <laughs> the guy comes. I've, I've seen I've seen two or three people on Twitter comment this as well. Uh, there's a guy who comes through a train window. This is kind of spoiler. Kind of spoiler, but I don't but think this no. is. A, we don't need a spoiler bomber for this movie. You know, some people get off the. You know, a good few, a good few hundred thousand get off the beach. Yeah, yeah. You, you go into it knowing that over three hundred thousand people were saved, so you know that it's 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 not. It's more of a happy ending than a sad ending. Yeah, and there's a point where someone drops two bottles of beer through the window, the train yeah. window, to these survivors, and yeah. that's the moment a lot of people said like, that's when they just broke. That's because the the way the film is structured is. I think it's what you said as well about seeing it on the big screen. It's an experience. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Nolan wasn't trying to tell one person's story or three or four people's story. He was trying to build an experience for people. It's... Yeah. it's people say movies are roller coasters. Some movies are roller coasters in a certain way. This feels more like a roller coaster than any other movie I've seen in a long time. It does. Much more so. Especially for a war film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I broke at that moment. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just so tightly, you know, tightly coiled up. And then when that moment happens, it's such a great release. Yeah. Because you kind of feel what they feel. Yeah. Because one of the things they do is with these characters, um, they, they don't build them up. You know nothing about, you know as much about this for the main character, Tommy, as you do at the, at the beginning as you do at the end. Yeah. And I think it's kind of beautiful the way they do that. Like, people run into each other. They're all just queuing up on the beach because that's yeah. all they can do. And when, yeah. when someone new comes along... They all know exactly what they've all been through. Been through. Mm. No one needs to say, "Oh, you yeah. just arrived. We're queuing up to wait for the boats. They're not coming. We have to do." You know, or like, I, I, "Did you get through the hell?" It's like, "Oh, I came from this place." You know, yeah. conversations that a scriptwriter would put in to fill in backstory. Yeah. But in this, it's not needed because it's like everyone's just shell shocked. They can recognize the kind of experiences each of other have had in each other's yeah. eyes, and that's all they need to do. Yeah, it's that's something I really liked about it is that for the most part, it plays like a silent film. Mm. There's very, very little dialogue, and what dialogue there is is really just the the bare minimum of what is needed to move this move this forward. Yeah. And then that's it. Okay, we're on to the next set piece. Yeah. Um, and each one is just like the stuff with the um, with with the with the fighter pilots. Yeah. Is unbearably tense. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just and like some of it is just like you're looking at Tom Hardy's face in a mask, or you're looking at the reticule he's looking yeah. out through. Yeah. Yeah. And just like. This Messerschmitt weaving in and out of his yeah. target, and then like as it's just about to pass, a sporadic bit of gunfire, and then yeah. that's it. And slowly yeah. chalking down how much fuel he's left because his his uh, fuel meter gets damaged. Yeah, yeah. And he's relying off the other guy who yeah. who doesn't stick around long. Doesn't stick around that long. And you're like, oh. there's a point where one one character ditches their aircraft yeah. because they'd rather do a safe ditch rather than just jump out. Yeah. I'm not sure why because maybe they're flying too low or something and, like that. And that bit is also ridiculously tense but if you notice the engine there's no problem like he's going down but the engine doesn't splutter and cough like it would in other movies well, cause, but cause the music cause... splutters and coughs splutters oh, and coughs I didn't notice that I was like going along I was like no his, 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 I think he's just like he's, his fuel tank is gone or something like that right. or he's lost it's not, it's, his problem is not his engine's fucked mm-hmm. it's not going k-dunk, 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 k-dunk. Yeah. but the music is going k-dunk, 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 and it's like ticking time bomb going well there's off. a you know you say ticking time bomb there's that 
running there's that running motif throughout the entire film of the whole idea of of a countdown yeah of a you know not necessarily like a like a ticking clock but the closest thing you can get to it without having it be a ticking clock so there's a video i just saw yesterday vox have put up this video um the website you know have you seen this Mm -mm. so what it is is it's very clever they start off talking about like the, the movie does begin with a watch ticking yeah and apparently that's Christopher Nolan's watch or his dad's watch they use and he uses he uses something similar I think in The Dark Knight or some of his other movies because mm. he is kind of obsessed with time mm. when you think about it when you look yes. across his movies it, he is and he uses that and also a thing called the shepherd tone so it is something I noticed that the music it climbs in tension mm. and it might level out but it never drops back down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so like you said, come near the end when the music actually does kind of break into a more orchestral kind of like, oh, when we're okay, music. Yeah. It's after an hour of like no release. Yes. Like yes. you've just got, you've got emotional blue balls the whole way through this thing. And apparently there's something he's called the, the it's called the shepherd tone where you use the same, you use the same music, but separated by two octaves. So as the top one climbs, it climbs out of hearing and the middle one climbs into hearing. Mm. And the bottom one climbs out of hearing into hearing. So at every time you're hearing two sets of notes climbing. So even though it's a very it's a clear progression, yeah. it feels like the music is escalating over and over and over and over and over again. And it's it's very clever. And apparently he did it as well for the noise of the bat cycle in the Dark Knight. Mm. Makes sense. So what this video? I'll link to this video because it explains a lot, and he uses it. I think he used it in Interstellar as well mm. for ratcheting up the tension. It's fascinating because mm -hmm. it really works. It really does. It's 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 pretty unbearable at times. Mm. It pissed off the wife because mm -hmm. she went to see this, and before this, I we had taken her, I taken her to see War of the Planet of the Apes. Right. And by the time Dunkirk was over, she was just like, "We we can't go. We can't keep watching these fucking intense <laughs> films." You know? Can we go watch Baby Driver or something? <laughs> so Baby Driver is kind of intense in points. I know, but it's Baby Driver is intense in a more fun way. Yeah. Whereas War for the Planet of the Apes. Again, is like it's a it's a very intense film, you know. And then, but then you go see Dunkirk, and Dunkirk just like cranks it up even more. Yeah, the whole movie is kind of like it's razor blades on a, a chalkboard for mm. a lot of it, but in a good way because it really matches what's going on on screen. And I really like the performances. Mm. Really nice, nicely understated work from everyone. I hadn't seen Fionn Whitehead stuff before. No, he's he's a newcomer. I mean, he has a shell-shocked face. Harry Styles, I mean, for a while I didn't realize it was him because it's, it's something similar to what happened with Saber Private Ryan and Brandon Brothers. It's kind of, after a while, or the thin, the thin red line suffered from this. Suffered from this. Mm. After a while, it becomes guys in helmets. Yeah. Um, they stand out a bit, but like, there's a point near the end where the timelines start to link together and you start putting together where you think one character is from another character's perspective before you know what's happened to that character. Mm -hmm. And there's a point where they swim through an oil, oil spill. Yeah, yeah, and at yeah. that point... They all look like Harry Styles. <laughs> They've all got greasy hair and covered in, in oil. And you're like, wait, who got out? I thought I thought Harry Styles was fine. I mm -hmm. mean, he didn't stick out in any bad way. No. And it wasn't like, it didn't feel like stunt casting. It didn't feel like Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Which I have not seen. Either. No, but it does stick out because he's singing when he's, when he's on screen. Oh, right, right. Well, yeah, well, that does. But, the, but yeah, I mean, like Tom Hardy, really effective. Mark Rylance has a lot of fun. Killian Murphy has a lot of fun. Um, that image, that image, the the first time you see Killian Murphy and he's sitting on the hull, on like the the, the stern yeah. of an upturned ship, yeah, and that in widescreen just looks amazing, yeah. And he's just huddled over himself on the top of this like round bit sticking out of the ocean, and you're yeah. like, that's like the definition of isolation. Mm -hmm. 
and the stuff with the with the planes, some of those shots. Mm. It's just just ridiculous. It's Ma- crazy. This, disregarding Tom Hardy being in a moment of the plane stuff feels like Mad Max because it's a, like it's a gray sky with a gray sea. It's mm-hmm. just like this barren yeah. view you're looking at, and then these beautiful shots of these Spitfires just diving through it mm-hmm. and peeling away and stuff. And and I really like um, some of the stuff that uh, Kenneth Branagh did. Kenneth Branagh is awesome in this, but it's like it's not stunt casting, but it's like he's playing. He's like he's playing the Navy. He's like if the Navy was a person. Yes. Because he's got that white kind of seaman. Sh- he's got a white uh, kind of fisherman's jersey on underneath his coat, right? Yeah, yeah. And like the army guys are all a bit twitchy and all. And he's just standing at the end of the pier like <laughs> he is the sea. Yes. <laughs> he's very cool in this. Yeah. But I, there is my, my, the, there's this one bit of great acting that he does where you think everything's all right. And then you hear the, uh, the dive bombers. Oh, yeah. And there's this moment where he thinks it's over. Oh yes, and that's that, a beautiful moment. And that's a, that's a great bit of acting from him. And it's just looking up and then kind it's of... Just, it's just looking up and then looking down. And it's, you, you, you think that like a, a lesser actor would do the whole thing where they close their eyes and prepare for it. But instead he's just got this look on his face like he's thinking like... Looks like I won't be able to get yeah. the papers. Yes, yes, something like that. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very well, uh, you know, very well judged bit of acting. And... Yeah, I, that really sort of because you really do think like fuck that's that's it, it yeah because <laughs> they explain the mold the mold is a pier essentially and yeah. it's like they need this in order to load people onto the bigger ships quicker and just him standing on the end of this and like they have to save the mold like to the point where a ship is about to go down and like sorry lads yeah just fuck you yeah just you got to get away from the push them off get away from push them off yeah 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 that's right. That was very nicely done. There's a nice thing as well with the kind of repeated thing of like the the soldiers not knowing when high tide is. Yeah, because there's this whole point of like you know I thought it's only it's 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 three hours to high tide says but we can't use the boats till six. All the navy are like fucking army. They don't know fucking anything. No, because that line that Kenneth Branagh has is like you know it's 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 uh you know it's three hours till the tide is like I think you mean six. Yeah, it's like no no we count three. Well, I guess it's good that I'm in the navy and you're in the army. (laughs) And then almost the same conversation happens with Tommy and the group he's uh, come along with because they think it's going to be a certain point. That's again there's a scene there where they're inside this fishing boat. And the sound design there with like Germans are using the Germans don't know they're in there, they're just using the boat for photography for practice. practice yeah. But the noise of those bullets coming through the hull is like an, ass, it's like an assault on your senses. Yeah, no, all of the gunfire, all of the sort of um, that's the whole thing about so much of the war aspect of this film is audio. Yeah, you don't see much at all, but you, you do, but you think you see a lot, you don't see any Germans. No. You see German planes and that's it. Yeah, you like, never you, see any German You don't even see a U-boat. You just see a torpedo at one point coming through the water. One guy who's smart enough to like, I ain't going below decks on any boat because yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been on two or three at this point already. <laughs> yeah, 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 fuck that. I kept thinking of Batman trying to get rid of a bomb. It's like, some days you just can't get a boat. <laughs> uh, no, great film. I really, really, really loved it. Apparently, I think someone said you can hear Michael Caine's voice at the beginning. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, on the... Uh, the He's the, the guy on the other end of the radio in the, with the planes. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Because I was, I was thinking beforehand, like, he plays the channel, the English channel. <laughs> That's like that Chuck Norris joke. You know, Chuck Norris was in all, all the Star Wars movies. And he played the Force. He played the Force, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, there's another guy, um, Jack Loudon, plays Collins. He's one of the other the airmen. I love the fact that the airmen are wearing suit and ties, shirt and ties, under their flight gear. And I just love how calm everything is. Yeah. It's like, all right, Collins? Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, Collins. And like, there's a beautiful moment where Collins waves back at him from the plane. Yeah, but he's and not waving. It does it, He's not waving. Yeah. He's drowning. <laughs> <laughs> but the moment after that, when he gets picked up in the boat, he's just like, "Good afternoon." 
right? So, like, I mean, it's a pity that the stiff, the British stiff upper lip doesn't float because there's so much of it on display, they could just sail across the channel on it. Oh, I do like that bit, like, when they get, when they get into the boat the first time before it gets tor torpedoed down, and you got the nurse, you go get yourself a cup of tea, love. Yeah, and some jammy bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some jammy bread. <laughs> Everyone's so English. And then it's like, where's your mate gone? He's like, He's gone looking for a quick exit just in case. There's something to be said as well. We talked about Uma pointed this out, I think, on the the BFM show about the ships. You never see this isn't Pearl Harbor. Mm. Like you see the dive bombers coming in, but you don't like there's not that many flashy shots of the big there's a few which are almost like documentary style of a big ship getting bombed. But it's not like, you know, you're following the bomb down or anything no, like that. No. And even when ships are going down, the camera stays close into them. So you get this incredibly claustrophobic... It's not a movie for... I've seen a few tweets as well, people saying, like, if you suffer from anxiety or claustrophobia, this is not the movie for you. Yeah, because no, I, I mentioned that on my Light of Femme review as well. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's really intense. And then and she's like, but is it... And my, you know, Anita's like, but is it, can, is it something you can take your parents to? I'm like, yeah, just make sure dad's all right. Yeah, know? he doesn't have a heart condition. Because <laughs> you, know? you think, you know, any movies you watch where the ship's going, there's like, oh, you just jump off. It's like, it's not that simple. The number of times like they have to jump off and then get out of the way of this ship that is slowly closing off all avenues of escape. Yeah. It's, it's almost a horror movie at times. Yeah. It's a very unique war film because you, it, it does the same thing kind of like what, what they do, you know, in the original Texas Chainsaw is that Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, you think of it as a very gory, bloody film, mm. but it actually isn't. It makes you think that it is. And so this is kind of a war film that makes you think you've just seen a bunch of stuff, but yeah. you haven't. You're, you're, it, it really is confined to you seeing them react to what they're seeing. It's the power of suggestion. Yes. And just, again, I keep going back to the sound design. The sound design is... It's, uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a film that had so that, that used sound quite like this. There's a point, I think it's the first time, I don't, I think ever, I felt the sound mm. in my chest. Like, I mean, yeah. there's a tension, yeah. but also the sound seems to be reverberating off the tension in my chest. Because, yeah. like, you can feel the engine drones of the, the planes going through you or the bombs going off. Like, it, everything is an assault, yeah. which makes perfect sense. But that bit towards the end that we we're talking about where, where most people break. And, and I broke, it was a combination of two things. It was a combination of like the release, just the yeah. release of the situation, but also just sort of like that feel, that, that kind of emotional kind of euphoria you, you get when you know you're in the hands of a master. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, I, I am not worried about a fucking thing. Yeah. It's like this, this movie, like this guy is in complete control of, of his ability as a filmmaker. Yeah. And it's nice when you see a film like that. You know, the same thing when you watch Scott Pilgrim is that you just see, this is a director who's just on fire. Yeah. You know? And right now, it's like, Nolan's just on top of his game. He knows exactly what he's fucking doing. Who's the, is the cinematographer something Van Hoyt? Hoyt Van Hoyt? Yeah, some, yeah. Who, who also worked with him on Interstellar. So there's another Twitter, there's another Twitter user. I'll share this in the comments cause, or in the, the show notes because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it's somebody who worked behind the scenes on the production mm -hmm. and is allowed to put photos out. Mm -hmm. And they were putting up photos of like the actual thing plus the movie. Mm-hmm. And there was another one about like people said that the IMAX cameras were too big to ever do underwater or water scenes. Then they met Hoyt Van Hoyt, and there's just a shot of him holding this fucking giant rig <laughs> up to his elbows in water. Mm -hmm. And it's a very cool Twitter to follow because it's it's showing off loads and bits and pieces of behind the scenes stuff like that. Cool. I will say I did have a certain problem with the movie, and it comes towards the end of it. There's a beautiful there's some, there's an image that like it's a it's a totally unique image for a war movie. And involves a Spitfire coasting. Yes. 
Now, because of the weird time structure, I think it exasperates this problem because it looks like the plane flies for like three days with no fuel. Yeah. <laughs> and what actually, the, what, end, what ends up happening to Tom Hardy's character feels like, huh? Like, he's very clearly seen flying over the yeah. troops at one point. Yeah, like, yeah. if he just popped out there, yeah. get at the end of the queue, yeah. get on the next boat, yeah. you're fine. But no. But he seems to land in Nazi Germany. Yeah. <laughs> just before, just ahead of the Jones boys. Yeah. That, that didn't bug me necessarily. It was just, but I did feel like, yeah, you know, you could have just, could have bailed. Yeah. And I mean, it was primarily, I think, to get that lovely image of a Spitfire on fire. Yeah. But the image of that plane just flying over the beaches with its mm. propeller not moving. Yeah. It's beautiful. And yeah. I, get, that's a, I think that's the moment that kind of broke me a bit where I was like, I think, does, does, does um, what's his name? We were talking about the Navy guy. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Does he say something about hope? There's something about hope. I, I think he does. Yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember. And it is like that plane is hope. Yeah. Because you know they're saving the army and they can only the, the, the they're saving the RAF and they can only fly for so long above the beach. But that, I mean, it's a great moment. But it just kind of felt mm. slightly undercut by this weirdness. <laughs> there was also that, that great exchange between Kenneth Branagh and James Darcy, where where Kenneth Branagh tells them, you know, the civilian fleet. Yeah. You know, James Darcy's face is just what? <laughs> 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 we need destroyers. <laughs> 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 but that was like a, just a brilliant look on his face. It was like, we're fucked. <laughs> Shout out also to Mark Rylance's North Country's accent. Mm. It's just the way he talks is just calming. He's a, where are we going? We're going to war, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a kind of a clipped delivery. It's not clipped, but it's like, we're going to war, George. Yeah. Like he's talking out of the corner of his mouth kind of thing. He's, well, it's, it's, it's hard to talk with such a stiff upper lip, I guess. I think we should talk about, was it George and Peter, is it? Yeah, George yeah. and Peter. I was a bit lost at what happened to George for a while. And it, it kind of, it, was, it felt like an odd moment to me. But it kind of, it plays out nicely with what happens with Killian Murphy's character yes. in the end. It's like, yeah. it's literally small mercies. Yes, yes. Um, that was a, kind of an odd moment. But like, once it's, because it's not clear to the audience what's happening. Yeah. Um, whereas I thought that could have been a bit clearer. But, but, that, when, but, that, but that was very cool. And Killian Murphy said, is, you know, is, is he all right? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like... Christ, this guy's been through enough. Yeah, yeah, he's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know. But that was that was like a crazy moment when when you know George, you know, is like, you're gonna be all right. And then George is like, no, I'm not. I can't see. Yes. <laughs> I mean, a moment, and there's points. It's point leading up to that. I think it's before that when they lock Killian Murphy in the the galley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is this going on? This is all going a bit dead cam. <laughs> <laughs> is Billy Zane gonna turn up, or is Killian Murphy gonna go full Billy Zane? But yeah, I'm not sure there's much more else to say about it. I mean, other, I mean, like we've given away some shit. Yeah, but uh, I think it's been out a while now. We'll put some mild spoiler bumpers on this. But it is, it's not about the plot. It's really it's about experience. experiencing it and seeing it on a mm. big screen and hearing those sounds and just like as I, I think I saw some publicity material beforehand saying like he wanted to put you on the beach, <laughs> and you do feel like that. And I think mm. I saw the you saw the IG, the IMAX and one of Tama, right? Yeah. Did you see it in the back or in the middle? back yeah I mean I'm starting to come around to if you know the TGV in one time there is a kind of a walkway yeah I'm coming around to the idea that for some IMAX movies you need to sit in front of that walkway the seat the road directly in front of that yeah because at that point the screen almost yeah because at the back you can still see it's a screen yeah no I mean in terms of uh, viewing experience that's the better seat I like to sit in the back because the seats are a little bit separated so you, you're, you're not right next to yeah. someone that's I mean that's a that's a personal preference yeah but um you know, just in terms of having the, the IMAX experience be as immersive as possible, then yeah, you should sit a little bit more further front. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just, you know, you have to see this in the cinema. Yeah. You cannot wait for this. You cannot like download this and watch it at home. You, you just, uh, in a way, it's going to be like gravity. Like you're not going to be able to recreate the, the experience of watching gravity yeah. on a small screen. And you just, you just got to go see it because it's, it's being done by someone who truly understands the power of cinema. And you know, he's just, uh, I, I can't, He's, you know, he's kind of like uh, the, the next generation Spielberg in the sense that he's cracked the code of making important commercial fare. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, like a director like you know, P.T. Anderson or something where, okay, he's got, you know, this, this new P.T. Anderson movie, but it's a little bit art house, commercial prospect, not sure. Yeah. Chris Nolan has cracked the code of how to make prestige cinema, but still have it be really sellable. Pun intended. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> prestige cinema. Prestige cinema. <laughs> But he's managed to do so without uh, inserting daddy issues and parental issues into all the yeah. movies. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, the, the, if there is like any running theme throughout any of his films, it's time. It's time, yeah. Better, better critics than I spot that. I was ripping off them. Mm. But yeah, definitely go see this. I mean, like I said, we we haven't we've, we kind of spoiled bits and pieces of it, but the plot can be summed up by uh, you know uh, Harry Styles' motivation. He's only looking to go in one direction: get home to England. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Have you been waiting to use that? Yes. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. So yeah, Dunkirk, go see it. Just make sure you don't, you know, you have your heart medicine with you. Mm-hmm. If you like the movie, let us know what you thought about it. I'm on at McNasty Prime on Twitter. And I'm on Gavyap. And if you want to keep an eye out for when these podcasts go out, you can look on Twitter on at McGap and Fries. Give our Facebook page a like, and also it'll help if you listen to us on iTunes. Give us a little review on there. Give us a few stars. That helps us. other people find us. And also tell your friends. Yeah. Tell them about that awful Harry Styles joke and get them to listen to us and tell us we're shit. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Good night. Bye.